This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm Bob Asman, your host for this episode, and I'm really pleased to have joining us today, Duncan Littlefield. Duncan, welcome to the podcast, and please introduce yourself to our listeners. Hey, Bob. I First and foremost, thank you for having me. It's a, it is a great honor, and it is a great privilege to you know, kind of come hang out with you, chat life and business and, you know, customer journey and everything else. So um, I'm excited to be here. So thanks for having me. But uh, kind of given the 30,000 foot view uh, for everybody out there listening, Duncan Littlefield here with the Littlefield Company. Um, we focus on telling stories that create trust for businesses. And in that space, it's we have many different avenues where we create that trust. You know, if you boil it down, we're a communications company. So we, the best way to communicate in 2022 is that we work through video. And in that space, we also do photography, web design, graphics, ads, you name it, we do it. And then we also have a parent company of Littlefield, which also holds three other companies underneath it, which is Littlefield Studios, Littlefield Films, as well as the lab. So we got a lot going on and we're excited about it. That sounds great. A lot of topics to get into, Duncan. But what I'm always curious about and what our listeners are always curious about are career paths. How do you end up doing what you're doing and enjoying what you're doing as passionately as you do? Because I've, I've known Duncan for a couple of years and, and everything is high energy, high passion. So how did you get to today, Duncan? It's a great question. And I think I had a little bit of a different route. The uh, the fact is, is that my first career, I was fortunate to play professional golf. So I actually was, you know, a solo entrepreneur in an athletic field compared to a business development field or, you know, a marketing field or anything like that. But I left college early to go play full time. So for me, when I was playing, there was about a part of my career, maybe four or five years in that I was hurt a little bit. I wasn't playing very well and I just needed kind of a creative or an outlet. And I ended up turning to photography. So in that space, I was telling the journey of a mini tour player, because at the time when you said you were a professional golfer, everybody said, oh my gosh, how's Tiger? Or, oh, how's Phil's back doing? And the reality is I was driving my Ford Explorer around the country, gambling for a living. So in that creative outlet, I told my story. I was driving from Connecticut to Georgia, to Florida, to South Dakota, to this and that. And all it was, was gambling. So in that space, I was able to work on a kind of have an outlet of a craft to be able to, you know, generate content. And this was, you know, eight years ago or so. So at that point, I was very fortunate to pick up some sponsors and really some clients where we collaborated and told stories and created content and said, hey, how do we engage this audience with this audience? And it was fun. It wasn't so serious of X and X and X. It was like, no, no, like, how do we do this? Like, how do we create engagement and fun and trust for brands? 
And, um, you know, heck, you might call me the first golf influencer, but uh, I don't want to I don't want to tout that because there was plenty of other people out there doing a great job and probably way better photography skills than I ever had. So um, but then from there, I got out of that and then went into photography full time, you know, kind of found my way into picking up a camera full time. And then I started working with tons of startups because I understood the sweat equity game. Hey, in golf, you hit golf balls today to show up under pressure three years from that point. And startups are the same. You invest, you, you put sweat equity in, you have an idea, you curate, you work on it to then have it go to market in a year or have it go to market or have VC funding in three or whatever that looks like. So in that space, I understood it. I understood the, the sweat equity or the time to, you know, all of the above. So I was working with a ton of startups and in that space, it was then all of a sudden launching the Littlefield company was an easy no brainer when I saw the shift from marketing to specifically video. And four years ago to almost the date, we launched the Littlefield company and now we're at an amazing staff of uh, just over 20 people in two states and uh, we're having a great time. Wow, what an amazing journey you're on. I won't use the past tense because I know there's a lot more journey out ahead of you. So here, here's a kind of a curiosity question, and this is probably a stereotype, but you don't often think about professional athletes as being creative. And, and your, your comment was, I picked up photography. Almost, yeah. you kind of said it casually, like, yeah. yeah, I picked up photography. How did you discover that creative side? It was right then at that point where Instagram was becoming really popular. And so that was really the catalyst for it. I mean, Facebook was obviously there, you know, Snapchat was there, but Instagram was like the platform. And so it was unique because when I was looking at, I don't want to say a camera system because I look at camera systems now very differently than when I looked at it eight years ago. But so what I ended up doing was I grabbed a GoPro and I believe it was the GoPro Hero nice. 3 at the time. Because the GoPro was smaller than your phone. I mean, it was like the size of an AirPods case at the time, you know, now. And so in that space, I was able to take a GoPro with a fisheye lens, bring a massive view of what a golf course looks like, what I looked like on a golf course, what was the inside look of my bag to then say, because I was able to get a camera in really small places. So it also was fun because I wasn't lugging around a video camera that was at a shoulder rig on it. And like what we do now with cinema cameras that way, like, 20, 30 pounds, it was like, I could pull this thing out of my pocket, you know, hit the record button and see what I got. So in that space, I was able to put the camera in unique places, which then created the content, which then at that point stirred my curiosity even further, which then at that point sparked more ideas, sparked more conversations with brands who also brought me ideas. And, you know, we had a collaborative conversation to go, what if, what if we did this? So, you know, I kind of, you're right. I kind of do say, I just picked it up but it wasn't like the traditional film or photography route that now I know most people go on in their journey. So true. And, and I'm chucking a little bit because you talk about a GoPro, like it feels like ancient history and it was only four years ago. I mean, I remember buying one for my son when he was snowboarding, he could strap it to his helmet and go down the hill, uh, go down the mountain and, and uh, record it. Uh, no and question. Was, and they are incredible cameras. Like the new ones now, you know, I think they're mm -hmm. at the GoPro 10 at this point. They are awesome. Like the, what they can do in such a small bite size, pocket size camera. It's now I'm talking about it now. And I'm just like, I'm like, maybe I just start traveling with that compared to a big DSLR. <laughs> and, uh, 
maybe I just go back to that because it was, it was, it connected to your phone. I don't know. It was in my eyes, it was the thing that changed everything for me. Like the GoPro hero three was the, I don't want to say the pivot point, but it changed everything for me. The way I viewed even the game of golf, you know, even the game of golf, I, I believe to this day, game, the game of golf is the most creative game out there because any person can play it differently. You look at a hole differently. It's problem solving. It's, it's risk analysis. It's all these different things. And when you boil it down, it is really remarkable to like watch people play the game. But then it's the same thing. It's also really remarkable to watch artists or photographers or filmmakers create. And it's the same thing. So for me, when I was looking at shots or shapes or photos or this and that, it was all one big puzzle. And so for that, it was just fun. Like I just enjoyed the process of it. I enjoyed getting better and I enjoyed failing miserably and going, well, this was awful. Like, how do I do this better next time? And then going back at it. So it was a challenge that I was, I, I'm thankful that fell in my lap. That's very intriguing. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm smiling too, because isn't it ironic that, uh, you've got extensive background in video and we're on audio only for our podcast. So uh, I appreciate your tolerance of us being on a radio network instead of a, a, a video network. But well, one of the video audio is just as important as the video. No question oh. about it. I mean, when you go watch a, when you go watch a video, if the audio is poor, it's a miserable experience and vice versa. I mean, you imagine right now FaceTime and zooms and all this. And how many times do you hear just going, Oh gosh, like, I wish their audio was a little better. Like, I wish I could hear them a little more or vice versa. It's like, oh, their audio, their video just keeps cutting out. Like it's, you expect technology to work. So no, audio is just as important as it is the video side of things. So they go hand in hand in everything we do. Well, I appreciate you saying that. One other question, one other comment you made earlier on. And as you know, our listeners tend to be experienced management professionals. And you talked about communications and communications are so important for customers and employees. What are some of the key components you're looking at when you're creating an experience for your clients that maybe we can talk about in terms of communications that we are challenged with as experience management professionals? So I'm a big believer, and I think this is like my core of business, that every business has the same goal. And that goal is to create trust. If that trust needs to be with a customer, if it needs to be with an employee, if it needs to be with a staff member or a team member or a partner, whatever it is, like their responsibility in their business is to earn your trust. And now when you talk about an experience, customer journey, all these different things, how do you earn trust? Well, in my eyes and in my field, I think it's very simple. You tell stories that create a connection that earn trust. So when you're looking at a company's hero story or their origin story or their vision, that is one of a kind. It is a one of a kind experience of that owner, of that business owner, of that business, of that craft of, you know, it's this and this and this market. It is one of a kind. And you tell those stories that earn you trust through creating connections because of their story, because the reality is, is their target demographic might've gone through something similar and they can connect to it and they can see that their peers compared to being sold to. So I always related to like, you know, imagine like you think about the cocktail parties that you used to go to and how many doctors have you seen because of cocktail parties? You know, your dentist reality is, is that you probably met them at a cocktail party because you said to a friend, trusted source and a friend, 
saying, I need a dentist. Like, I got this thing. It's just like bothering me. And then at that point, you're going to go, oh my gosh, you got to meet Dr. Steve. He is the best dentist west of the Mississippi, whatever. Because you remember my kid's root canal? That was Dr. Steve. Okay. Now, doctor, or, you know, your friend has told you, a, created a connection through a story to have you trust Dr. Steve like that. Because that is the truth of it. That is the way the world works. It's connections, it's referrals, it's, it's, it's conversation. So if you can earn the trust with your demographic, with your audience, with your targets, with everything that you're trying to accomplish, then let them ripple it. Then you are going to have more trust in the world. But now on the video marketing side, on the photography side, on everything else, when you're saying website and everything else that your external marketing shows, it's you have to tell stories that create a connection that earn you the trust. Or at least they are walking up to your door with stories to be told because they go, oh my gosh, I didn't know you did that. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Oh my gosh, I remember this one story that I can connect this to and I'm going to take you down a journey when you sit back here and all you got to do is nod and go, yeah, wasn't that's a crazy time or yes, that was amazing or whatever it is. It's going, you've told stories that create a connection that earn trust. So in that space, I believe that every business's goal is to earn trust. So anything on the customer experience, customer journey, it's you got to earn trust. If that's through photo or video or website or wherever other way to communicate, even if it's referrals you got to earn the trust. So I think that's the most important thing for me. And, you know, in our business, we focus on the company's story, which will earn trust for their target demographic. Listeners, you're listening to Duncan Littlefield of the Littlefield Company talk to us about uh, storytelling communications as it relates to experience management. Duncan, I want to get into this a little bit more around storytelling because it is very popular right now in experience management. How do you go about telling the story? If you have a new client come to you and says, I like what you're doing, I want to do it. What are some of the key elements that you pursue uh, from your business and working with that client? Uh, very first thing is we make sure that they're not coming to us because their 17-year-old niece told them they need a video on Instagram. <laughs> well that sounds like a good place to start <laughs> it's a great place if i ever hear in the first meeting or the second meeting and it's like oh you know my 17 year old niece told me i need a youtube video uh they're not the right partner for us because we very much believe in understanding someone's story to be able to tell it so you sure can i walk up with the camera yeah can i can i take a photo yeah but does it mean anything or is it going to do anything no so now if I can sit back here and lie to you and say, oh my gosh, we're going to do this video and it's going to be great and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, then at that point, you don't have any web traffic. Well, then the video is not going to do anything. It's going to go out to the 12 friends and two of them being mom and dad, and it's not going to do anything. It's not going to drive sales. So what we have to do is really understand that storytelling aspect to how to get somebody someplace. So think about uh, movies and think about the trailers for those movies, right? Mm -hmm. You don't pay for the trailers but you pay for the movie. So when you go to Instagram and you go online and you say, hey, what's the next James Bond movie coming up? Well, there's two trailers launched. And you go, all right, let me go check this thing out. And you see Daniel Craig running through the beach and running through the, like all these things. And you're like, all right, I got to do that. And that is a $12 experience that you just committed to because they put a great trailer out, which you don't pay for. That is the hook. That is the first part of the hero's journey. So when you talk about the hero's origin story in that trailer, 
they even have to tell that super fast because you have to say, all right, what's the hook? You know, what's the opening? What's the problem? How are they solving it? Keep them going through it. Where's the, like, let's call it the dip in the story of the oh no moment. And then where's the safety? Where's the savior aspect? That's the story. So you tell the story in the trailer to then get them to pay 12 bucks to go to the movies. Same thing in any, com in any company, any commercial, any social short, any big hero video, any website, any education space. It's the same thing. So when you're literally boiling down the concepts of how to tell a story, it's fundamental. It's the hero origin story is an amazing one that so many companies go through, but it's also about educating because if you get them to the website and you lie to them of saying like, Hey, this is what it kind of is. It's like, okay, hold up. This isn't going to go well. Now you have to then all of a sudden flip it and be so darn good because you really get one shot. You get one shot to be trustworthy. You get one shot to earn it. Well, you better be telling the honest to God's truth, because then at that point, you can always get, this is what we told you. This is what we said. This is what we talked about. This is what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we're talking about storytelling, it's critical to understand the story of a company because, you know, there's plenty of dog walking companies out there, but a lot of them do it differently. A lot of them started it differently. And a lot of them are doing it for the better reasons or the future differently. That's the story you need to tell. So you need to tell your unique story that specifically speaks to you and your business, that's going to attract the customer that you want because business is a lot more fun that way. So even boiling it back, it's like, what's the story you got to tell into what platform, to what audience, to then get them to have an action. And if you get them to have an action, guess what? I can pretty much guarantee you've earned their trust. And when you earn the trust, you can have an ask. And if that ask is to donate, show up, buy, whatever it is, you got it, you've earned it. So again, trailer, movie, they build the trust in the trailer and they ask for it to come to the movie. That, that's, that's a great scenario that you painted just then, Duncan, and so relatable. I kind of remember years ago, of uh, we were always coached to have an elevator speech. So if somebody got on oh, the yeah. elevator and said, what did you do? What do you do? And, you know, you have one minute between floors or whatever, you know, to have that prepare. That reminds me of your trailer description. Yeah, so let me let me challenge you here. Where what is your elevator pitch? Give me the thirty seconds. I got it. I've got to think about it. That's the. You're absolutely right. I've got to think well, about it, what I do. Right. There you go. I all mean, of us like, do. Right. All of, all us, of do. us do. But I know what I do. Like I can I can tell I can rattle mine off right now. But that's the space where right? it's like I know exactly what I'm in this for. I know what my 40 year goal is. I know what the company's vision is. And if any point somebody comes to me and they own a production company or they own this or they own that, or they're trying to be in this space or whatever it is, I can connect to them some way. Because at some point, every, I, I open pretty much with like my first career, I failed at. Mm -hmm. And I was a professional athlete and I failed. Everyone in the world can relate to a failure. So that breaks the barrier down for everyone that I ever talked to. But then I follow it back up with what I'm really fortunate now is that I get to create trust through kick-ass stories. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. But you know, Duncan, it's interesting you talk about that um, because many times when we're working at companies or with companies trying to improve their customer experience, we ask that very thing. What is the desired experience that you have? What's your customer experience strategy? And rarely can it be articulated into a 30-second uh, elevator speech. 
And that's, but that yet is the starting point of where no question. we have to begin with experience management. If you don't know what it is, how do you deliver it to your customers? Mission, vision, values. Mm-hmm. What's your value prop, right? It's, if you don't know the mission, like if anyone in the company doesn't know the mission, if anyone in the company doesn't know the vision, then are you really aligned? Are you really doing what you're setting out to do? Like my company, we're, our, we are trying to uh, deliver, build, uh, create a hundred companies with a thousand employees and be a globally based company. That's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And my entire team knows it. So when they sit back here and saying, we're getting big and I'm, we're at a hundred people, for example, and we get there and someone goes, we're just too big. I'm going to go, you signed up because you knew that we were going to be a thousand one day. I've created the trust. I hope I have. I think I have, but truly it is coming down to going, I've never lied or I've never tried to pull the, the sheet over someone's, you know, in front of someone's face and be the magician of going, oh, I got you. It's really going, nope, like we have some really big goals and our mission, vision and values connect to that. And if we, if we execute on our mission and vision values and like core values, all those, we will achieve our goal without an ounce of doubt in my brain. And the other component that you're talking about too is, so, so this pillar of trust, I, I just think every one of us can agree and understand that approach. And that's what we're striving for with our customers and our employees every single day uh, uh, that we work and live. I think the other component is you look at this from an integrated standpoint. It's not from a one-off. It's not the website's this, the commercial's that, the, you know, the culture is this, you look at it across the entire spectrum of an organization, which is exactly what experience management is intended to do. Have I Without an ounce of doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the reality is, is that if you have different marketing for your internal and your external uh, people, right? If you go out there and your sales team is saying, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. Well, maybe you as it, maybe you're a marketing firm and you say that you do websites, like your sales, your sales team is pitching websites but you have no web development on your staff. And then all of a sudden the team comes back or the CEO comes back and they go, cool guys, we just, we just booked, we just bid and we won a project for a website. Well, guess what? You're going to get a lot of blank stares in and around that creative room because they're going to go, well, we don't do that. How are we doing that? We were told that we don't do that. We don't do this. We don't do this. And that is going to cause so much turmoil and turnover in your organization because you're not only lying to the external population, of what you're doing on a sales side. So you're more focused on money than you are about your team or you're more formal, you're uh, way more focused on money compared to your reputation or your time of your team or the creative or the brains of your team or anything like that. So the reality is, and the truth is, is going, you're correct. It has to connect on every single level. You know, you go to our Instagram, you go to our website, it's aligned. It tells you what we do. It tells you what we don't do. That's it. Thankfully, as the company's evolved, we've offered more services and uh, we're really grateful for that. But uh, we don't lie in the process. Like we are going to tell people when they start with us, if they say they want a small agency, then like we're not it. You know, we have a staff of 20 over, over 20 people right now. And our goal is to get to 50 by the end of the year. So we are growing. We are scaling. We are moving and we run really fast. And if you want a company that's slow and going to hold your hand, yeah, we're going to have a great customer experience, but we are going to move. We're going to get videos done in a week compared to 10 weeks. That's just the way we operate. But we also really focus on the story. 
we really focus on the customer and are not the customer, but they're our partner's vision for what their goal is. And we make sure we can connect to that. So no, it has to be, I mean, I can't, I, I'm even just like spinning in my head right now, thinking the fact of like, I would go like tell people or sell an art piece and then go to my creative team and go, cool guys, go make an art piece. And they're going to go, what do you mean? We're making an art piece now? We make videos. Like, I can't even imagine that conversation on how bad that would go over. But no, it has to be connected from external and internal. You have to have the same alignment. You have to have the same trust factor because you're going to have a lot more people who are going to knock down some walls and going to run up some mountains for you if you can be honest with your external population and your internal team. Well, and Duncan, you've declared your position. You've declared your vision, mission, and goals. So everybody understands it and can rally around it. If you if you were used to 10 weeks to make a video and you suddenly said tomorrow we're going to make it for a week in a week, you you couldn't get the kind of uh, motivation and passion you get. So it's it's really uh, impressive that you built it around these pillars of trust and what you want to do as an organization. And that drives the whole or that drives the organization to higher levels. Absolutely. And if I can't empower my team to be better, or if I can't empower my team to be great at what they want to be great at then I'm not the leader that I thought I was, or I'm not the leader that I, I don't want to say sold to them when they joined the organization. But the reality is, is that I want to pour into people and I want to pour into stories and yeah, we got to make money. Sure. Yeah. We got to look at P and L's and we got to look at all that. Sure. But the reality is, is that we focus on our people and our people are the most important because in my opinion, the creative comes from the people. Like you can't go to an algorithm right now or you can't type up, a, I mean, there's websites out there, but they don't do it to the level of emotional depth of telling a story like people do. And uh, people are our business. So we're, we're, I believe that we're very aligned right now. And I'm really excited about what we're going, we have going on. It sounds like you've got a lot of exciting things going on. Duncan, so what, at the time we're taping this, podcast session. It's towards the end of the year. We're heading into 2022 and our listeners will be listening uh, in the early uh, weeks of 2022. What's the outlook for you, the Littlefield company and, and the industry in which you operate? What, do, what is your, what does the future look like for you? Yeah. So I would say, uh, you know, 2022 goals is to add uh, 20 to 30 people to the team by the end of the year, um, really uh, hone in our process, you know, really focus on creative, focus on storytelling, just like we always do, but truly keep that alignment and keep that direction. Because if we ever get out of that direction, then <laughs> game over, like, let's just pack the towel and like, let's go home. But uh, then I would say for us on the other side of things, our goal would be to lay the foundation for our third office. Um, we don't know really where it is yet. We're looking at a couple different sites, but um, really just make sure we're building around Charlotte and Las Vegas right now. And then at that point, our industry, I believe that we're going to see high level storytelling investments into storytelling into different platforms outside of just social. Um, so I think they're going to go a lot more uh, ad spend into Apple TV and Hulu and much more of the, let's say the old school, you know, well now online streaming service platforms compared to social. So I think social is becoming way more user generated and companies are understanding the partnership levels to achieve the goals. You know, spending $50,000 on an influencer is not that big of a deal when you think about spending $250,000 on a commercial. So I think there is going to be a blend of that. And I think uh, most companies are going to see the value of saying, hey, let's go after Hulu. 
let's go after uh, uh, online subscription services and all that space, you know, Disney Plus and everything like that to then put the big production and commercial, uh, let's say budget and quality behind and then figure out on our side of things, how do we create really quick, high efficient, you know, profitable content that can be on social, which will then drive them to the bigger platforms. So I think that's where the market is going, um, especially on the video production side. And then everything else, you know, obviously if you need it, you need a good website and you need a good presence, a web presence to be relevant in 2022. And if you don't have that, I'm not going to say you can't run a successful business, but I guarantee you that you will never be as big as you possibly can be. So uh, that's where I think the industry is going. And we're excited to kind of grow and evolve with it, keep educating and learning about what's, where people are viewing content, how people are educating themselves, and where people are connecting the businesses and stories. That's, uh, that sounds like a great 2022 headed your way. And, and, or I should say that you're driving towards because you're certainly proactive versus reactive. I end every podcast with the same question, Duncan. Final words of wisdom for our listeners as we conclude this. I can't believe how fast this podcast went by as we conclude this podcast. Final words of wisdom. Final words of wisdom. Oh man, I, you know, I don't know if I'm that wise, um, but uh, I would say that I'm a big believer in being your DNA. And so I'm a huge believer in our creative industry and in our creative field it's there is certain people that have different experiences than I will ever have. And there's different people and there's unique people that have different strands of DNA because their experiences in life have led them to this point today. So I am a huge believer in self-awareness, being your DNA and like owning the absolute crap out of it because you are going to see things and learn things and experience things way different than I ever will. And if we can come together, sit around a table, talk around, you know, a big conference room or whatever it is, talk about ideas well, I believe conversation leads to creativity. And um, so if that space is just like, be your DNA, love on your DNA, and at that point, don't really apologize for it. Just find the best place to grow, develop. And if you need to be the front runner, be the front runner. If you need to be 172 in the roster, be 172 at the roster and just absolutely love your life doing it because it is like the best place for you. And, you know, in that same place, don't let anyone tell you that an idea is ridiculous. That is, I think the worst piece of advice is somebody saying, oh, be realistic. I think that's an absolute joke because the reality is, is that every great idea, concept, thought came from a place of that has never been done before. And that seems a little crazy. So be your DNA and never tell anyone, never let anyone tell you to be realistic. Those are fine words of wisdom indeed. Duncan, if you've intrigued our listeners, how is the best way to get a hold of the Littlefield Company? You know, probably, I mean, obviously we're on all social platforms um, at the Littlefield Co. But uh, I would also check out our website, thelittlefield.co is a great place. And, you know, there is a link on that page to come hang out with me. I have my, I never, I always say that I never turn down a conversation or a cup of coffee. So for that, you can book time with me. We can have a virtual coffee. We can meet in person if you're in the city that I'm in. And uh, it would be an absolute pleasure to meet you. So come on over, meet the team as they are a truly incredible group of people. And listeners, I can attest to the fact that Duncan is always willing to sit down and have a conversation. So he is true to his words. Duncan, thank you very much for joining the All Things Considered CX podcast today. We really appreciate it. Well, Bob, it was an absolute pleasure. And uh, if you ever want to do it again, I am here for it.
Absolutely. Listeners, this has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with your network. And as always, stay tuned for another upcoming episode with interesting guests and discussions about experience management. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit CXofM.org for more resources.